Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good evening and welcome to a special edition of Never Strays Far Falle from the island of Sicily. Bigger than you might think and surprisingly close to Africa when you look at it on a map. This show comes to you from Lingua Glossa in the foothills of Mount Etna, which is all the while gently erupting. No travel disruption is expected due to eruptions this evening, although be prepared for certain road closures on the approach to the smouldering crater as the people of this massive, troubled, beautiful lump of lava get ready to celebrate the seemingly inevitable victory of either Vincenzo Nibali, the son of Messina, known as the Shark, or Damiano Caruso, the child of Ragusa, known as... Damiano Caruso. Yeah, that was just like a little little taster, wasn't it? A little reminder for me, really, rather than anyone else, of the magic that was almost this time last year. Never strays farfalle. The uh, the daily, the daily uh, podcast that I mean it redefined podcasting in a way, and certainly ripped up the rule book and um, you know made made a lot of a considerable impact in the world of podcasting um, <laughs> during, during the Giro because it's not it's not too it's not too far away before I head to Hungary in the beginning of the Giro d'Italia. So this is a little a little warm up race for me that I'm. Um, uh, embarking on at the moment that's nearly come to an end how are you anyway i haven't spoken to you in ages i know i've been um under high stress and living <laughs> kind of, <laughs> you know <laughs> going through an existential crisis regards life but apart from that standard. i'm good ned i'm good standard standard, standard. it's just yeah. a constant it's not my standard i tell you it was interesting uh i was in drona uh, well i'm always in drona but uh <laughs> somebody came to our studio i shut three studio and yeah, uh, knocked on the door, which is which is quite nice. More and more people are doing it and coming to just visit the Chapter Three Studio. Yep. And somebody came in and was talking about uh, how much they loved our podcast. Very good. And, but also about just how random it is. Yeah. I and know. when I said and I said to them, "Oh, I'm going to do a podcast with Ned soon." Yeah. Uh, not knowing we we have no plan as ever. Yeah. But yep. they said, and I said, "Oh, he's in Sicily," and they're like, "Oh, what?" So he's going to get chased by dogs. <laughs> I have had an encounter. <laughs> I have had a, a, one or two encounters, actually. I went for a run a couple of days ago. Where were we? We were in the deep interior of Sicily, which is, wow, it's so, God, that it's, I, I, you don't know Sicily very well, do you? I think you raced there a couple. Only raced, from racing. Only there from or racing. Twice, or, well, you said, I think yeah, three, yeah, yeah. three yeah. times. I mean, the I think. interior yeah. is massive. Right, uh, right, it's, it's fast. Right. It's it's like yeah. Corsica, where you kind of think it's just an island, then but you could die if you got lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I nearly it's died at the like, hands of a dog. Um, the I mean, district. well, actually, it's, it's not like was, going to the it was quite strange. We were staying in this little town. 
Go on. No, no, I was just saying it's not like going to the Peak District where there's always a village nearby and somebody will help you. It feels like in Sicily or Corsica. No. It, you can get lost yeah. quite easily. England, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. always something nearby. Yeah. There's always a pub. Yeah. There's always some something. Yeah. It's, you've got a, like a, a five-mile danger zone in England. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, you know what I mean. It is. It's yeah. you're right on the you're right on the ragged edge of what is um a viable uh, humanity, a viable experience. And yeah. um, yeah, I went I went for a run the other morning from this little town. I can't remember the name of it, but um, we, we were it was, a, it was a classic Sicilian hilltop town in the middle of the interior of the of the island. And I knew yeah. that I had a choice as I set off, um, on the run. Well, I didn't really have a choice actually. I just simply had to go down for five kilometres to turn around and come back up for five kilometres on this, on this road. And I got about, I guess, three, three and a half kilometres down, running down this road, when I passed, and it was the first, I, to be fair, I'd done three and a half kilometres of my run before I met the first dog. And it came bounding up this path uh, away from its master's house and, uh, and did that kind of classic thing where it begs the question of me, at least, is the dog going to stop? at the natural but invisible boundary, mm. you know, the, the party mm. wall line that, that should exist in the dog's mind. Is it going to stop or not? And it kind of, I almost closed my eyes and carried on running. And I just listened to, I looked away and I could hear that the dog had stopped there. But equally, I knew that this was an out and back run and that I would have to turn around after I'd ran for half an hour and I'd have to run back. And yeah. I knew and that it ruined the experience for me. But you know what? When I came back, up with, and I was looking around, like, well, is it around this corner? Is it around this corner? Oh my God, it's the next corner. And then I could mm. see about mm. 300 mu- uh, meters away, I could see the dog. And it was just lying there at mm. the perimeter of its property, waiting for me to come back. And I started mincing running. Mm. <laughs> I think I'm mincing run at this point. Um, but you know what? As I passed, it just basically had lost interest in me completely. And it just allowed me yes. to run past it. I see where it's. So you know what um, Nicole does? You know my wife, and she's quite a country woman. Um, if the dog that fills her with fear, she will just stop, find a stone, and and throw a stone at it. And yeah, but, mate, would you do that to a dog in Sicily with a, with total confidence that you? No, would right, no, I wouldn't. Know. I wouldn't do that. No, because it would probably also because provoke it. Imagine if you but, imagine if you picked up really quite a sharp or heavy stone and your your throw was surprisingly accurate and you ended up maybe taking its eye out or something or mortally wounding it or hitting its temple wouldn't be good either and knocking it unconscious. Have to deal with the owner. what do you think what do you think would happen exactly exactly it wouldn't end well would it in sicily it wouldn't yeah. end well but i guess it's, i don't want to it's yeah. yeah let's not dwell on it but i think it's, it's good to know that you're getting to the points where you're overcoming that and yeah Yes. Well, we but, but Matt Stevens, Matt, Matt, Matt and I it. had a really po- Matt and I have had a really positive dog experience in the last twenty four hours because we stayed oh, at this good. absolutely fantastic Agri Turismo again, deep into the the heart mm. of the interior of Sicily last night, and uh, when we arrived, we thought let's go for a quick walk um, because we're men of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's what you do and we thought we'd go for a brisk stroll before dinner just to work up an appetite and as we um as we walked away from the agriturismo um there was this there was a little dog i posted pictures of him on the internet lovely little thing kind of like perfectly dog-sized not too big 
you know, not too small, just medium dog-sized. And he had little, you know, when their ears, I think when their ears kind of fold over at the top at, at 45 degrees or 90 degrees or whatever, I think that always presents a slightly unthreatening, you know. And so and so off we went with this dog. To, and the I'm dog going to look for this right now on the internet. You could, okay, okay. so it's okay. My, one of my more recent posts that are less political. I've done quite a lot of political posting as well. Scroll through all that. You uh, hey, all that. hey, on yeah. that, on well, that. Yes. You did a post last week that had oh, no. oh, over no. t- last, I know, so it was 10,000 re- like, likes. Finally, you hit home with yeah, all your when- political tweets. <laughs> Finally, it was, it was I Sinek. Yeah, yeah, but it you was, did. <clears throat> that was, it a, was, like, it, that was it, like a viral it, tweet. Yeah, it was, cr- it was a bit crazy, that, actually. Sometimes, you know, you just kind of... I don't know, David. I just... I'm so exercised by it. I don't... I'm still conflicted as to whether or not it's even... There's any point, merit, what you're doing, whether you, you know, you get this kind of built-up anger and impotence in the face of what's going on at a political level. And, um... Well, chapeau, okay. chapeau not, to you, not, The fact you keep persevering. No, no, no we'll, it, we'll close it. Chapeau to you for perce- yeah. like persevering on it. But occasionally you, you hit you. a home run. And that uh, yeah. Sunak was very good. Um, yeah, it was. It, it did. It I thought it was very it, good. Thanks. Yeah. So, so why are you in Sicily? Yeah, yeah. Why are you in Sicily? It's the... It's the th- yeah, it's the third edition of the Giro di Sicilia. They missed they missed mm-hmm. one edition during to COVID in 2020. Um, it's a four day stage race. It's a bit of a it, it shifted to a different position in the calendar last year. Um, so we we the last edition of the race was in October, where Sicily had suffered from a brutal summer, where I think it had beaten the European all time temperature excuse me, temperature record, hadn't it? And set some new a- astronomical high of kind of 49 yeah. degrees or even more um, for one day. So the entire island was parched when I was there in, in, in mm. October, late October last year, I think it was. Mm. And it was 32 degrees or 33 degrees every day. Mm. Um, but they've had a very wet winter and the race has reverted back to its, its original position now in spring, in April. Mm. Um, because it's always been designed, I think, with with tourism in mind, clearly, to encourage people to come and visit Sicily. So there's no point in having the race in October where people have already had their summer holidays. You know, they want mm. to show you, not maybe not you, David, but they want to show the viewers around the world, look, look at Sicily in April. Book your summer holiday there for July and August. So that's the reason why it occupies this berth, I think, in the calendar. But handily and interestingly, it's, it's not a bad little warm-up race for a lot of the key uh, riders uh, with it, with mm. you know, with a view to, to 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 the um, the upcoming Giro. In the same can, way, can that, I, yeah, go on. I just, uh, can I be super geeky? That nineteen ninety four, when the in the old days when the World Road Race Championships was put uh, three weeks to a month out after the Tour de France in August, it was done in Sicily, and Luc okay. Leblanc won. And that's where Chris Bourbon, and and Chris Bourbon, I think he won the time trial there. That was where he won the time trial world championships. But the, I, even watching it was, it was renowned as being the hottest world championships ever. And that was 1994 in August. Sicily was just this Mm. weapon of a place. But yeah, that was just my geek coming out because it's not 
global warming or anything, Sicily is hot as hell. Yeah. And yeah. it's always been hot as hell. And we forget yeah. about that because it's as close as you can get to Italy. Uh, sorry, Africa from Europe. It's it, You're so right. You're so right, David. It's, in, it's yeah. incredibly close to Africa. Mm. It's startling mm. if you... Because I think we always have this, you know, unless you, unless you actually mm. look at a map of the Mediterranean, you have this yeah. sort of idea that it's a big oval yeah. and that, you know, mm. that Europe sits some distance apart from the Gibraltar Straits from Africa. Yeah. But actually, Sicily almost touches North Africa. There's really not much yeah. sea there yeah. um, that separates them. So it's, and you, um, and, yeah, and you it's know what? The, the, only th- the only thing that exists between Sicily and Africa? Malta. I don't know. Oh, is that where Malta, Malta is? That's where I was, that's where I was born. Well, I, yeah. I was born you know, I, I in never, the island. I could never put... Yeah. Yeah. So Sicily... Sicilia, Malta, kind of, and Africa. So Malta literally sits in between Sicily and Africa. So... Wow. Yeah. So I know a little bit yeah. about it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's yeah. a cool bike race, though. Yeah. It's a cool bike race. I'm, in, cool. I'm enjoying the bike race. Well, you got the you got the what? shark. Is the shark there? Of course he is. Of course he is. He won it last year in October. The shark with a with a devastating yeah. attack on the final stage, um, but he's looking kind of broody. So tomorrow's stage, David, is a is a thirty kilometer ascent of Etna from sea level right up to the very highest point. So it's I think it finishes at eighteen mm. eighteen hundred meters. So you've got to go straight up eighteen hundred meters in basically one block. Um, oh, and wow. uh, it's a super big climb, and um, huh. uh, it's quite interesting because there are only four world tour teams here, and very few pro tour teams. So there are fourteen continental teams, and the difference between continental teams and and world tour, you know, is colossal. It's quite big. Isn't it? It's enormous. <laughs> it's quite and, big. and so, and, and so there was a there was a little up there was a little uphill finish on stage two. That didn't con- you couldn't even call it a climb. It was just a it's a punchy little uphill finish in the yeah. final kilometre, and yet it became a total GC selection. It was quite extraordinary. <laughs> there were there were four riders who gapped everyone else, and they were right. They were Kenny Elisond, Domenico Pozzovivo, Damiano Caruso, who oh. won the stage, and Vincenzo Nibali, and those four basically are head, are head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of. Your GC potential in this race. They are so but much better like, than everyone else. They're like fine wines. The four of them. It's they're, they're all in their like 30s. Those, yeah. They're kind of anti-new humans. It's so lovely exactly to hear their names. Are. Yeah. They're, they've... Yeah. That's so lovely to hear their names. Because the moment I'm... Most of the names we hear have no... Uh, how do I say this? History or pedigree? They're just coming in and killing it, and we're admiring their talent. But with those four names, there's all stories behind each of them. Yeah, like Pasavivo is a pianist. Uh, yeah, we got yeah. Nibali, who's he's a shark. A shark. He's a shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who? Who are the other ones? Damiano Caruso, who's just emerging. Caruso, Caruso, he's interesting. He's so interesting, David. He was, a, he, was, he was a super domestique, wasn't he? And then kind oh, no, of just, transcended. It's just crazy what's happened to his career. He's done, he's basically yeah. done his career the wrong way round. 
So you get yeah. these, you yeah. get these, you know, you get these great. You know, he finished second in the Giro last year, and there was yeah. one the penultimate, on. the penultimate stage, the last GC stage, um, before the final time trial in Milan. There was he was off the front, and there was one brief moment for about twenty thirty minutes where he thought he's not going to he's not going to win the bike race. He's not going to beat Egan Bernal. Like win the Giro. <laughs> yeah. like, is Caruso actually going to? No, he couldn't. Could he? So it was like it was a remarkable race, and. But he started winning in 2020 with the, he won the one day race to, uh, the, to the, what's it called? Getchka, is it? In the Basque country? The uh, circuit Getcho. of Getchka? Getcho. 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 That's it. Yeah. One day race with a bit of a punchy, f- he, he won that and everyone yeah. went, blimey, Damiana Caruso has won a race. And then you're scrolling yeah. back to look back when he, when he yeah. last won a bike race. And it turned out the last bike race he'd won before that was in 1983 or something. Cause he's, he's been around forever, hasn't he? As this, some um, super mountain domestique. But mm. subsequent to that, he's suddenly discovered in his early thirties, he's now in his mid thirties, he's discovered this kind of winning habit, which he keeps backing up and backing mm. up and backing up. And it's the opposite of what normally happens, isn't it? Because you get these winners, yeah. these great champions, these leaders, who then, when the winning bit, you know, kind of ebbs, ebbs yeah. away a bit, they turn themselves into these super domestiques. But Caruso has flipped it round and done it in reverse. Can I give a bit of... Um, I think that's what's happening to Garrett Thomas at the moment. Garrett Thomas, I think, is moving into a road captain role, which was something that... Yeah, less of the winning, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Kind of just imbr- realizing that even with his absolute belief, which got him to where he is, and it's quite lovely to see him. I kind of followed him a bit at the Basque Country, and and you see he's becoming a road captain, and it's like, oh, chapeau to you. You kind of you you're 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 flipping that role now. You're kind of you might do a bit a little bit of the kind of. Uh, cock of the walk and kind of still win the tour but actually I think he's let it go and he, he can be much more beneficial beneficial to his team and the outcome by s- switching into that road captain role and I think Jack mm. Garrett Thomas is actually doing it and but yeah th- th- which is exactly what you're saying most that's what happens to most riders they get to that point where they realize they can't do it and they turn into a road captain but it's s- incredibly almost unprecedented for a rider to get to the, that twilight of their career and flip to being a winner. Yeah. That's just, it's so just ha- remarkable. I mean, incredible, remarkable. Yeah. It remi- reminds me Imagine. a little bit, rem- reminds me a little bit of my friend, Charlie, who works in the office mm. for national statistics in, um, in, mm. in London. And he, he, uh, he got into running marathons and stuff in his, I want to say in his thirties, um, he'd never really run before and then he, he very quickly entered his first London marathon and ran it in something completely absurd like two minutes 26 sorry two hours not two minutes two hours 26 minutes That's and very I'm, fast. I, I, I've made that up I've made that up but it was something a bit like that and Charlie suddenly thought yeah what what I could have been so he imagined an entire career that hadn't happened. You know, I wonder, I wonder if, I, if I'd been doing that since I was 18, maybe I had, I'd have two Olympic gold medals in my back pocket, you know. Um, but he yeah, still runs, the, yeah. he still runs the, the, the London Marathon and he's still in his age bracket. He's a couple of years older than me. He still basically kind of almost wins. <laughs> you know, it's just incredible. Yeah. But, yeah, what might have been, eh? But um, I hate to disappoint. 
hate to disappoint you, David, but a newer human won today. Who? Oh, mate. It was an incredible ride. A 19-year-old Croatian rider called Fran Miholjevic, uh, riding for the cycling team Friuli ASD. And um, he was in a six-man breakaway today. Uh, on this really, really quite rolling, difficult stage in an absolute mm. howling gale of a headwind for three quarters of the stage. Mm. And this six-man group got away and bit by bit kind of fell apart. And when they only had about 15k to go and about one minute and 20 seconds to defend, he was the best placed in the general classification. He was 30, 35 seconds down on GC. He attacked the breakaway simply by riding away from them. You know, one of those soft attacks where he's just the strongest. Damn it. And just goes why, away. They, why does that just keep happening? And, it's so annoying. And, 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 he, and he held on and at no point. I mean, and they were literally trying to ride him down. You know, all the World Tour teams came to the front, the Italian national team, the Caruso's, all of them. And they just made no impact mm. on him. And this 19-year-old's just, in the end, he slowed up, took the stage win. I'm not even sure he knew that he was about to take the jersey as well because he just kind of coasted over the line and freewheeled the last 50 metres, losing about 10 seconds in the process. Um, but still won with 41 seconds to spare mm. on the chase. It was, a, it was an incredible an amazing ride. ride. What I'm more worried about, Ned, is just confirming our theory that we're never going to see battles from breaks at the finish line again. Your theory. Very interesting theory. Quite theory. depressing theory. Mm. Explain, the, explain what just, you meant. Explain, what, explain it again, the, 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 thinking, the thinking behind that. Uh, uh, sigh. The, these breaks sigh. I am <laughs> sighing because it's... These okay. breakaways form in stage races because the people who are racing for the GC are so strong and dominant that you can't mess with them. And Tadej Pogacar, fact, done. They're going to just roglitch those guys. They're kind of like the heavyweights. So then you have the breakaway stages, which are, they're not the sprint stages, they're the in-between stages. So you have riders that are specialized doing that now. The problem is there's a lot of them that are specialized to do that and they'll target it. But the thing is, once they're in that breakaway, they're so equally matched that it becomes this um, uh, death match regards who goes first. And if you go first, you win. He who dares wins. Because there's no tactics involved. They're all so strong. It's a really terrible chess game. And they just play each other and then one goes and it's done. There's... it's really hard to explain because I can't explain it quite yet because it's a very new phenomena in professional cycling that breakaways are going to be in Grand Tours won by solo breakaway riders and it's it depresses me and because it's just makes for terrible viewing Um, but let's see Uh, contrary to what's happening in the classics in the monuments where well, you, you've put, you've had a keen eye. So we haven't spoken for so long that so many things mm. have happened in the in the one day races, haven't mm. they? The classics. You got really excited by Flanders, didn't you? I know you had a close eye on that. Ah. I, was, I was at a family funeral. Tell me about your Flanders yeah. experience. Well, it's probably better than your family funeral. Um, although it felt a little bit kind of like that at points because I was I'm so invested in Matteo Vanderpool, and I thought yep. he was going to lose it. 
And yep. and I was convinced I was setting myself up for failure after Milan San Remo. But watching Can I just can I just ask you, David? Race. Can I just ask you? Yeah. Can I say, before you carry on and analyze the race? Yeah. Can I, why do you like Mathieu van der Poel so much? Is he your favourite is he your favourite bike rider? Because <laughs> you quite like White Van Aert. He's my favorite and you bike like Remco. Rider. I like yeah. Remco. I mean, I, you know, I love Remco, but it, actually, Remco is kind of dropping off a bit because he's not getting better, is he? No, but he's not at the moment. So That's the a re- separate conversation. No, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He might have peaked so out. You dro- you've dropped him. Matthew you've Ma- moved on from Remco. <laughs> <laughs> it's like That's so yeah, cynical. Over him. Yeah, done with you, mate. Go <laughs> nah. back to football. Matthew, Go back to fo- stick Matthew to football. One thing I love about Matthew Vanderpool, I. For my non-cycling friends, when I show him, kind of show a little video, or not that I do this, I don't kind of meet my friends and show videos of Matthew Vanderpool. That's not, that's not how I. No, you really wouldn't do, do that. But I no. occasionally, but I would occasionally do it. Kind of show Matthew Vanderpool because he can ride mountain bikes, he can cycle across, he's got super skills. He, he on a bike, he looks good. He doesn't look weak. He looks strong. Uh, he. And he has his character, uh, and he's non-existent off the bike. There's no... He's a pure old school. We may as well be living in the 1990s or 80s, where there's no... He's got no social you mean, he presence. Doesn't, he doesn't do the social media thing, does no, he? No, there's... No, he doesn't. Yeah. He's just like... He's, he's not as just, interested... He's Matthew Vanderpool. He he do, he's not... Yeah, he's not as interested in piling his but, hair... But this... this Ned, vertically like Ned, yeah. he turned up... He turned up to Milan San Remo. He's been off the grid, had his back problem, did these things. This is his first race of the year. He was second. And he hated it. And he it. was gutted. He hated it. And he it. was gutted. And he was on the podio and he was running amok. And it was just like, seriously? How cool are yeah. you? And the yeah. way he races. And that's why, because we were, we were live messaging you and me because we're friends and we do that. And I was so disappointed. And at the time, really disappointed that uh, Moritz was going to win because I was like, well, he's not Vanderpool. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it was because if Vanderpool had won that, it would have been immense. Yeah. Immense. And then, it, then he goes to Flanders and wins it. Yeah. And you're like, are you? serious and he got and he had to fight for it Pogaccio was just like dropping bombs everywhere and you could see him hanging on but he just outrode him and it was yeah that's cool he's that a is proper cool. that is cool yeah that was cool and I, I I generally for me I see Matthew Vanderport as being a pure bike racer he's like just nothing there's nothing he doesn't exist for social media doesn't he doesn't care about influencing he doesn't care about the sponsors his image he just wants to win bike races and if he chooses to do it he does it and it's and that's so refreshing in this modern world where everyone's just swanning around being kind of doing their different things or trying to get more money for a different sponsor vanderpool he just comes to kill and it's it generally does and his track record if you go through the track record him wout van art it's what is it it's like 70 30 or 80 20 the vanderpool beats van art huh. van art's out there just try, racing all the time kind of just yeah. doing all these things vanderpool just turns up and does it yeah and Interesting. and i always yeah. go back and i always go back to and and this will be my 
when I've talked about this before, the Tour de France last year where he didn't win the first stage and the second stage, which we were commentating that the on. Best, that best single day that of racing. remains for me. That remains for me one of the most, in everything I've seen and known, the most insane victory yep. in the history of cycling, what he did that day. Yep. With the baggage he had emotionally and what he'd then done the day before. And so that's yep. what Vanderpool does. He goes there and he gets it done. Yeah. And he doesn't do any of the schmoozing or the soft stuff around it. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a yeah, he's done weapon. to my mind, David, to my mind, mm. you know, straight away when you think of his mm. of his collection of astonishing mm. victories in his mm. in the three years in which he's really focused on the mm. road, mm. that that stage and the and the one that really sparked all the the sensation about Vanderpool on the road, which is of course the Amstel Gold race mm. in 2019, mm. and what what those two victories have in common mm. is they're rule breaking. They are completely rule breaking. You know the the efforts that mm. that, that in, in a quite a, you know totally dissimilar races, but a very in, the, what they had in common was the fact that. Um, it just contravened the laws of physics and biology and physiology mm. that you could do what he did in the case of Impossible. the Amstel, in in the case of the Amstel Gold phenomenon. It was sitting on the front for that long and still being able to hold off everybody else in the sprint mm. who'd been on your wheel. That was yeah. impossible. Um, and with the Mur de Bretagne stage, it was you can't do that attack twice in mm. the space of twelve no. kilometers. Impossible. Uh, impossible. And he yeah. and he did the impossible twice. Yeah. It was um, Strada Bianchi last year. Oh, that was insane! And think about that the rider. Think about the rider who he humiliated, humiliated, and who that rider was. You know, it's just incredible. He made Alaphilippe look like a junior, a chump. I mean, chump. so yes, all right. That's that's brilliant. So he won. So, what's really interesting? So though, that's he won so so just just going back to it. So just that's why I like Vanderpool. That's very because, convincing. Yeah, because but, 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 he's. Because, uh, but, because yeah. because you've got Wout van Aert and you haven't just got mm. Mathieu van der Poel, mm. as soon, because he, his season mm. was slightly delayed, we've been obsessing over van Aert. And because van Aert mm. continues in the Tour de France and completes all three weeks, mm. he is, takes first place in the public consciousness somehow. Yeah. But then you're right, van der Poel yeah. just seizes his moment. But what's been really interesting is because van Aert has been absent this year largely. So we haven't mm. seen that rivalry yet during mm. the classics. Um uh, and one thing I just wanted to talk to you about is actually the Amstel Gold race this year. I don't know if you saw any of that. That Kwiatkowski, I did. I watched it. And 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 Cosnefroy, yeah. they they came to the line mm. together. It was a photo finish and amazing. I watched together. that. Yeah. I watched the last hour with uh, with yeah. my boys. So yeah, I saw the whole thing. What I found amazing with that was the fact that Cosnefroy was there. Um. And my sister was here as well, and obviously she's invested in Ineos, and she was like, "Why is Pidcock going?" And but then Pickock set up, Kurkowski goes, counterattacks, but it's stuck. And Kosnefwa bridges across. And uh Kosnefwa let out and he, I knew immediately. He did nothing wrong. He did an amazing race. He did an amazing and race. What I what I love is the dignity that Kosnefwa had. Yeah. It's his dignity was insane it for me well, it kind having, of it's more powerful having been told by some idiot yeah. at the finishing line that he'd won the race yeah i mean who yeah. told that who told that to him i have no idea no, but, no, uh, just yeah like, dignity is yeah. the right word and he was just so and that's one of the reasons i fell in love with cycling when i was a kid because you'd see people act like that 
and they just take it and then you see the phone smiling and he took it and I saw the quotes afterwards and he said if I if I'm going to cry about being second in Amstel then I got to look I got to look at myself I'm in the mirror look at myself in the mirror <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was just like good on you man it's like that's and it's super cool and it was good for Kriakowski as well because Kriakowski's a legend and yeah, yeah. it was really good for him to be able to do that again and yeah. put himself back on the as a winner because that's what yeah. he is he's been paid a lot of money bucket loads of money to be a domestic yeah and actually Kriakowski is a winner and yeah. he showed it that day and yeah. so it was a good race still it wasn't Vanderpool and it wasn't the big names but it was a great great race absolutely I mean not not I think the thing I want, the point I wanted to put to you about the way Amstel Gold played out was um, it occurred to me now that, that sometimes when you have a rider like Mathieu van der Poel, who mm. on the start list of Amstel Gold was the out and out favourite, uh, and yeah. for good reasons, you know, given what he's just yeah. achieved. Um, when you have a rider like that, there is it on whom everybody is obsessing. And it happens in the women's peloton in the classics quite a lot, mm -hmm. especially in the hillier ones with Annemiek van Fluten as well. Yeah. And that was borne out with Marta Cavalli's victory in precisely the same mm. fashion, I think. But when you've got a rider of that preeminence, um, it's a problem for everybody else. It's a problem for the rider of that preeminence. It's, it's a problem for the most important rider. Yeah. But at the same time, it represents an opportunity, doesn't it? Because if you read the race smart, you can take advantage of everybody's attention being diverted to this one central kind of position in the solar system. And you can, you can, this that's is what Kwiatkowski a, and yeah, this is a great point, Ned, because I think how often do Ineos Grenadiers win a one day race? Uh, well, this year, quite a lot, but historically not yeah. very often. Yeah. So they changed the mentality. So Pidcock was the hero for that race. And there's a different mentality going on because when they went to the Kalberg for the first time, uh, Pidcock hit off. He he did or the climb after. And they were racing like a team. They were setting stuff up. They were being tactical. And it takes, I think, a Pidcock within your team to inspire the team to race differently. You need mm -hmm. an absolute winner within it. And that's what I think Ineos are kind of understanding now. They're getting these younger guys who are more dynamic. It's they're racing. They're willing to lose. Mm. Now, by Pidcock doing what he did, he was willing to lose mm. to to set the race up. Yeah, and because Pidcock's a pure racer, even in his he's so young, and these are these are crazy races he's in with no experience, but he's a winner. And being a winner, you have to be able to gamble and do these things and i think that's a totally different mentality that he's brought to any of his grandiers. he's like you know what i'm not going to sit here and wait for you guys to do it i'll go yeah, yeah. and act off my behavior yeah and because i'll go and then yeah. you trigger and yeah. whereas normally they just put the train in front and wait yeah. and they just run through all their riders and go but pickcock's like screw it we're racing and, and, and that's and, a totally and, different mentality and you're right. I think that that has um, spread infectiously around that little group of classics yeah. riders that they've taken. Yeah. To, and, and, and most significantly, of course, Ben Turner is just a kind of complete, oh. it's complete revelation. This whole new wave, this whole new yeah. wave of British riders is yeah. incredible. 
They're just um, Fred Wright as well. Fred, Fred Wright's yeah. been doing his thing for and a different there's team. There's a bunch. I don't even know all the names now. They're just coming out yeah. of the woodwork. This yeah, whole new yeah. wave of young British riders, and it's taken a decade yeah. to get through. And credit to the system, because I was doubting, yeah. but all of a sudden you've got this super kind of heavy arsenal of British cyclists coming through. Yeah, well, but yeah, but not, I'm not sure you can really credit. Well, you can credit the system with a small S, but maybe not the the, the, the system yeah. with a big S because they've these guys have come through yeah. the you know Ben Tullett, Ben Turner. They've come through the cyclocross route. They've yeah. actually been they've gone through Trinity Racing mm. and um and that and yeah, you know, true. They've, they've gone yeah. the other way. But, that, uh, but either way, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll always say it's a system because it's a privilege they get the opportunity to have Trinity and these different things. It's. It's kind of it's a, a culture that's now it, it's building a culture rather than a yeah. system, I guess. Yeah, that, is, that, that, is maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Magnus Sheffield cool. and his his victory yesterday. Yeah, what the hell in Brabantse Pale? Yeah, that was. Um, have you seen the moment where he launched his attack? No, because it wasn't no. an attack. <laughs> it was. He was in this select group at the front of the race with Turner, inevitably, and with Pitcock, yeah. inevitably. They were both there, and with a bunch of other hitters. And he just went to the front and rode a bit faster. <laughs> and before he knew it, he didn't look Amazing. around. He was 80 meters up the road. And then he flicked his mm. elbow thinking, I've got everybody on my wheel. Yeah. And oh, then he looked yeah. around and went, oh, there's no one there. Yeah. And then he just rode off and won yeah. the race. What's um, the common denominator, Pidcock? Well, I that's gen- very genuinely interesting. think Pidcock, because they all know they've got this... The, the newer human, the superhero in their so, team. So here, here you go. I'm going to give you give so you a they, metaphor. Yeah, Pidcock is Pidcock is like if you're trying to light a fire and you've got these big logs mm-hmm. like that, you need a bit mm-hmm. of kindling. You need a little bit yeah. of kindling wood there, and and Pidcock yeah. is is being that kindling wood that allows He's the a, big logs then to he, to ignite. Yeah, you can't start the fire without without kindling, yeah. and yeah. so Pidcock's constantly there, and he's and he's because he's fearless, and because he's He's not scared of losing. They know that they can trust yeah. him and he will race. And if you have a racer's mentality, which has always been missing, and I say this absolute respect to, to the team for known as Sky and Ineos, it was systematic. It was a stage racing team, but it was marginal gained. It was built off the programs they had. But now they've got a pure racer in their in their ranks, who loves winning, who will gamble, who will do these different things, and it inspires the whole team. And this is and this is going. We've often talked about the quick step mentality. The kind of when you when you build a culture of winning, then that comes from the individuals in the team, like an Alaphilippe. Pidcock's like an Alaphilippe. So it could be that the the Pidcock will actually inspire a winning mentality within uh, Ineos Grenadiers. And well, they'll all start to gamble and risk and go for it. Well, if that, if that kind of cross bre- that mentality cross-breeds into their mm. GC team and they take that attitude yeah. to the Tour de France, <laughs> mm. then we could have a really interesting Tour de France. Yeah. Because they don't have... Well, they, they had it with Carapaz, the- didn't they? Carapaz was doing it last year. But yeah. without the backup, I yeah. guess. So yeah, and, yeah, yeah, you're right. But it'd, be, it'd be very interesting, Danny, Danny Martinez. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's a racer, isn't he? It'd yeah. be great to see him being the kindling God. in that team. But um, yeah, but, but yeah. Anyway, listen. So 
let's just throw I'm quite excited I'm, I'll tell you why I'm excited David because I think I've managed to get accreditation for Paris-Roubaix in the for name Roubaix. of Paris Far. yeah yeah I mean it was a it was yes. quite a battle I, I did I, did you see the little message I sent you that I got I put it on Twitter that I got, I got yeah. rejected I got rejected by I ASO I didn't see that no. for, oh, did you not see that oh, I got no. rejected by ASO um, because I applied as um, I had to apply I had to register our organisation never strays far I say organisation <laughs> I had to register never strays far because I wanted to be accredited as never strays far so I had to register it with ASO through their kind of accreditation portal and um, they took two days to deliberate on whether or not never strays far was a legitimate media organisation and sent me a seriously rather, rather terse email came back saying um, we, <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was words to the effect of, we only accredit professional media <laughs> broadcasters oh, and operatives. Um, so I challenged it and I said, basically, I, I've written six books about cycling and I've done 20 years on the Tour yeah. de France. And, and, you know, no, no, you know and we're, we're, we're right legit. up on this. And bless them, they came back to me and said, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, well, no, we'll, we'll definitely get you some accreditation. But, but, um, but as things stand, I don't, I'm not yet totally accredited to get to, to, to Paris-Roubaix. But I'm going to Paris-Roubaix anyway, and I'm really super excited about it. It's on Sunday. Um, when I get back from Sicily on Saturday, I'm basically spending one night at home going straight off to Paris-Roubaix for no good reason. Um, other You're than I'm, I'm, just, I'm super excited by it. Um, but I was, I was having this conversation with um, Matt Stevens, actually. Oh, no, before I tell you about that, last night, <laughs> last night, um, we work with a, a lovely colleague, Jess, who works with us um, behind the scenes at, at um, RCS races. Mm. She's a British um, producer, TV producer. And she is married to Juan Antonio Fletcher. And Juan Antonio has, and Jess have bought Fletcher. their kids, um, uh, Flossie and Bonnie, their two little girls, tiny three-year-old and a two-year-old. Absolutely lovely kids, lovely girls. But uh, Juan mm. Antonio has basically bought the kids on, on this little trip with us. So the, the, the Fletcher family are traveling around with us. And um, oh, last wow. night, just before dinner, last night, just before dinner, I sat down with a glass of wine chatting to uh, Juan Antonio and I asked him a question um, and halfway through asking him the question, I realized it was a stupid question, David. And I, oh, no. I but I couldn't oh, back no. out of it. Uh, and I said to him, because he said, what are you doing next? And I said, I'm going to Paris-Roubaix and I'm really excited. And then I said, how did you do in Paris-Roubaix? Oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. Oh no. Oh no. And and he just very oh, politely, no. very politely said, um, not too bad, not too bad. And I went and I said, what, like top tens? And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I finished on the podium three times. Yeah. And I, and I finished he was se in, second in behind the, Tom Bonin. Yeah. In the noughties, he was the, well, Mate. actually still to this day, he was the first Spaniard to actually go into the classics. He was on Rabobank. He was a Spaniard on a Dutch team. Crazy. And Fletcher was such an outlier. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. God bless him. I saw him, I think, a few days ago yeah, in but Girona. I... And, oh, yeah. yeah well, they live in... They live, they, yeah, I, yeah. Did, I, I didn't do my stop and chat. I have an anti-stop and chat thing. So I saw him and was like, oh, no, don't talk to him. What do you mean so you have an anti-stop and chat thing? What's that all about? What? That's not good, David. Because you see so many people in Girona... No, because yeah, no, there's so many people in Drona, and it's it's kind of just if you stop and chat to one person, 
you're gonna have to stop and chat to loads yeah, so it's just you either what so you just shut down completely just like you go the, you go the basically the yeah basically and i, I need i need to i need to change you. that but it's a, it's a great um yeah. curb your enthusiasm sketch about this the stop and chat okay. he's like don't stop and chat because if you do it you're never gonna ch- get anywhere <laughs> and i need to, don't stop yeah. and chat it's just you gotta just keep going <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah. And I need to change that. But, but yeah, no, that, that's so then, amazing. No, he was, with, he's regards, like, honestly, Fletcher's a legend. It, yeah. And then, oh, it's brilliant. Then I sat down and then I properly schlugged him after that. First of all, I apologize. Of course you did. Uh, I apologize. I said, I, Juan Antonio, I've just revealed the mm. depths of my ignorance and I should have known that you had, you know, I knew you would have mm. done well because I yeah. knew you were a classic. I didn't know. I'll be honest. Yeah. I didn't know you finished yeah. on the podium three times. I think that's right. Three times. <laughs> and then, And then he told me, in great detail about at least two of those editions. Um, one of, of which course. involved Stuart of O'Grady, you know, Stewie O'Grady. So it was like, it was like, but I suppose it was like, because, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause he's been up in yeah. Belgium, hasn't he? I think like catching up with old yeah, friends. Yeah, we had and stuff a great chat as well. Yeah. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. You, you stop and chat to Stuart O'Grady, weren't you? Not Juan Antonio Fletcher. Well, <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't. He, called, he was in his hotel room in Belgium. I called you, and so okay, we had a we had, okay. a we had a chat, like a, good. a video chat, yeah. which we haven't done. Yeah, because he's but been. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, uh, if I've understood it correctly, Stuart has been because um, he runs the. He's the race director at the Tour Down Under. Tour Down Under so now. He's been going that's, his, get, that's his gig now. So he's been going as, as the guest of the Flanders Classics organization to kind of do a little uh, mission. Nice. Yeah. 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 Very good. Um, but anyway, um, going back to Paris like, Roubaix, uh, David. What do you call it? Um, uh, yeah. I, one of our Italian colleagues. Oh, you're breaking up a bit. Go on, carry on. I'm not talking. I, I, okay, I lost you there. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, we're back. We're back together. I, I won't you. edit that out because yeah. I can't be bothered. Um, you can hear me now. <laughs> so going back to Paris Roubaix, one of our Italian colleagues asked me, "Who's going to win Paris Roubaix?" I'm afraid I just came out with an idiot. Ghana. Exactly. Exactly what I said. Because, so that's exactly what I said. Because I just wanted to (laughs) give them the answer that they wanted to hear. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I said, Filippo Ghana. Filippo Ghana will win Paris-Roubaix. Clearly. And then they asked the same question of Matt Stevens. And do you know what he said? Oh, no. It's going to be a clever answer, isn't it? It's a clever answer. And it might be the right answer. He said... Alexander Kristoff. Uh, after his like solo win like at shoulder price. Well, it wasn't rubbish, was it? Hey, hey, hang it on a second. Rubbish. Is Pogacar doing Roubaix? Is Pogacar doing Roubaix? Wait, you did that teasing thing, didn't he? That little social media post. Oh, look, here's me at the Arenberg. But I don't think he is. He would be insane to do Paris-Roubaix, wouldn't he? No. I, I don't think he is. A, I don't think he's he is. He's a mountain but he's, he's got skills. I mean... Everyone talks about Paris Bay and it's so dangerous. If you've got a base level set of skills, it's not that bad. And if you are as strong as he is, you just motor. You're like a motorbike across the cobbles. It's not mountain biking, which actually requires some skill. It's it's just plow on oh, and choose the right, right line. And Pogacar could oh, do I it. I think there's a 
bit more. Oh, come on. I think there's a bit more to it. Now, go, I refer you to my converse, my fireside well, conversation with Juan, Juan Antonio Fletcher the other day, David, where he was talking about the early days of Sky. And when they went to race Paris-Roubaix, they always, mm. he was so annoyed by it, by the way. He was, it made him so angry because they never said, you can be the leader, Juan Antonio. Because they, yeah. they always backed Edouard Bosenhagen every year. It was Eddie, Eddie Boss. Yeah. Eddie Boss is going to be the man. Okay, so all in for Eddie Boss, <laughs> which is not the way to approach Perry Rubin anyway. And, and he said to me, he said, I won't try and do Juan Antonio's accent because it would be disrespectful. But he said, he said, <laughs> and anyway, it was clear... It was clear that Eddie Boss was never going to win Paris-Roubaix. It was clear because every time he raced Paris-Roubaix or we trained on the cobbles, he'd come back to the hotel and he would be pissing blood. Yeah, and I went, that's I'm weird. sorry, say that again. He went, pissing blood. I went, what? Yeah. And he said, I said, is that a thing? You start from the cobbles, you start pissing no, blood? No, that's, that's, that's not a thing. That's not. He said thing. it is. That's just. He said it is internal yeah, hemorrhaging. Well, I tell you what. Yeah, that's that's lame. But it's no. It's not a thing. Yeah, like, it's not going to win you Paris Roubaix. I disagree with that. The way it's like if you're reacts. doing that, it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, everyone's different. Do you something else. Yeah, blood out to Paris Roubaix. Yeah, do something Become else. Become an estate I mean, agent. Get, I don't mind. <laughs> you get all your yeah your skin ripped off your palms and it's uncomfortable. It's terrible, but pissing yeah. blood. Mm. that's bad you're yeah you're, sit, you're sitting wrong yeah like, <laughs> yeah well that was it good. i think that was his point that was it. like he's not physiologically <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. if the i can win i can yeah. win Barry roubaix but eddie boss pisses blood yeah. when he goes over the cobbles but anyway yeah. but he but yeah. he did he, he did describe to me yeah. i think there's a bit more to it than just plow on isn't there that like mm. you know you've got to if you're a, i just a master, think it's it's, it's okay. just I, I i genuinely think it's what I find amazing, and I'll move some monuments in Flanders and Roubaix, especially, is what I always loved about it as a as a spectator. Is if you're in the race, you feel like there's a thousand variables you can't control. It's terrifying. You get lost. You kind of it's so difficult. And yet, when you watch it from the outside, it's always the same guys at the end in yeah, that final yeah, hour. Yeah. yeah. And I love that because yeah. those guys, and it's got nothing to do with the position of the bike. They just love it. And they spend so much time knowing where they're at the right place at the right time. They race aggressively. It's one day racing. It's not stage race racing. They're, they're kind of, uh, and I use this with, uh, and this isn't ironic, like they're gladi- gladiatorial. They go there to do the job. And they're on the yeah. start line and they know where they need to be when they need to be. And and that's what was great about Tom Bonin. It was always renowned with Tom Bonin. There was always one corner he'd be in first, 40Ks in the finish, the Timeberg. And he'd do it every single time and he'd rip the race pieces. And then and he'd do it every single time for a decade. And everyone knew he was going to do it. Yeah. And he had his whole team, but he'd do it. And then he'd like then reduce the race down and whenever we as spectators turn it on for the last hour the last two hours you have all these big names there and none of us understand how they got there because it's so cool how they do it and because they're just they're it's gladiatorial and it's not about what we in modern kind of cycling terms about your power outputs your heart rate your tss your kind of power to weight they just know where they need to be and what they need to do. And they mm. just do it. 
and they fight mm. and they're knocking people off and they're doing those things. They get into that corner and then they, they don't panic. They don't stress. They got brilliant bike handling. And uh, that's why Flanders and Roubaix and those races are so special because it's not mm. like a grand tour where it's all data mm. and those monuments, those dudes and I call them those dudes because I couldn't do it. I could do it occasionally, but not consistently. They're just racers. And they mm, don't care yeah, about no, the it's, it's, They just get it done. Yeah. And it's, and even and, it, oh, and the rest of the peloton gets to the end and they get to their team bus yeah. and they see that those dudes have done it again. And it's like, how do you guys do it? Even the best world yeah. tour racers in the world will get their team bus like minutes later find out and it's just nothing but respect for the monument guys mm. and they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, mon- yeah. they're the monument guys because they're, they're just the guys. so hardcore the monument guys yeah. i love it i love it so, and it's so yeah. you know it's captivating isn't it through march and april yeah. every year it is captivating and it produces consistently thrilling racing Mm. And you you go, you think to yourself, and you've just articulated it perfectly. You think this is the ultimate form of bike racing. Mm. This is mm. this is the spirit of bike racing. This is the essence of. But you could. But the wonderful thing about the the, the cycling calendar is you couldn't have ten months of this. You'd get sick of it. No. So yeah, as a viewer, have. you'd get sick of it. So it'd be like uh, for me, mm. it's like you know every single. Um, I love a I love a good chicken sheesh kebab, right? Um, and it's like wolfing down you know these races are like wolfing down can't a chicken do sheesh kebab can't do it every day you can't do it every day and what you do when you get to the you know May is only a couple of weeks away and we get our first grand tour mm. and that's like a tasting menu isn't it that's like that's like yeah. sitting down to a seven course yeah. meal with like small yeah. little bits and detail and everything and that's got an immense yeah. value all of its own because it plays out over a longer time scale yeah. and it's got infinite complexity on yeah. a different scales so we're just blessed with this mm. just wonderful sport that you should never take yeah. for granted and never try to change the way that the calendar operates and uh, we move no. through the motions of the, the, the classics into the, the grand tours and beyond. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just great. It's just great. Yeah. And I, and I just think to conclude on this, I think what's been amazing about this is watching a, t- a Tour de France champion who's going to keep doing it, Terry Pogacar, dipping his toe in the monuments. So yeah. the way he, Milan San Remo and Flanders, like all in. Yeah. Like he's going there to yeah. win them. And Liège, Baston, Liège, Lombardia, got them yeah. done. But he's and he's making, <laughs> and we can we we're literally watching him make mistakes. Yeah, and but you can see him just using his brute and raw power yeah. to rip races to pieces. Yeah. But then that's what I'm saying. You go back so to the his, monument guys; they kind of they play off him because he, they don't they know it's not all about raw power. David, his official next race um, race day is Flesh Vallon and then Liège, Baston Liège. So, um, so both. I don't think I don't think he will. I don't think he will turn up at uh, at Paris Roubaix. Yeah, ah, he'll do um, one. Yeah, I mean he can oh, he can oh, win sure. all. That's what's crazy about yeah. him. It's yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's exciting. I've got a hunch. I've got a hunch that he's not going to win the Tour de France. That's it. It's just a hunch. But there you go. All right. Just leave I'm just leaving that there. Just parking that there. Oh, no, no, don't, yeah. don't ask me. Oh, hey, well, don't ask me oh, well, Roglic should. Yeah, yeah let Roglic. Let, well, let Roglic do it. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, let me have a, let him have yeah. a go, for heaven's sake. Yeah. The old Chris Froome? <laughs> no. No. I don't think Chris Froome's going to win the Tour de France. No. 
Yeah. No, I don't think you will. No. I don't think Garrett will either. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well, okay. listen. It's uh, been can, a long I, can, time. I, can I just, just before yeah. we go? Can I, yeah. Just before we go, can I? And this is probably this is not good for our commerciality, but I encountered a, a podcast just in the last couple of days, Cycle Fashion Week. It's a Canadian podcast. Oh. Okay. And it's bloody brilliant. Well, listen to it's them, not to Canadian. us. Is that what you're saying? Oh no, no. It's compliment complimentary. I mean, you listen to us and them. Yeah. But they have such strong opinions on road racing. It's so good. It, and oh, it's, brilliant. it's quite inspiring. It means we can yeah. yeah, give it a listen to. They they literally don't give a shit and and have really actually quite good opinions and just yeah. three dudes who are into love road cycling who and I'm all in it. I'm loving it. I'm listening to it over and over again at the moment, all their different episodes, trying to, and just oh, very constantly good. just laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very yeah. good. Very good. It might be a risky road for us to go yeah. down. And anyway, I bet they don't talk about, um, well, we haven't, we've just talked about cycling, unfortunately. I had loads of Sicily mm. stuff that I wanted to talk to you about, a bit of political oh, yeah, history yeah, and that, things. We yeah. just left that all by the wayside. And the other subject that, the other, the other subject I want to, because we're going to wrap this up now. We've been talking for nearly an hour, David. But the other subject, next time we talk, I want to talk to you about nuclear fusion. Okay. Oh, uh, what about, and uh, so I'm we, so we played up between fusion and fission. Yeah, fi- well, fission and fusion are completely, you know, completely different processes. Different. But nu- I know nuclear I mean. fusion is going to save the planet. I know, because you can... You can no no keep your powder dry this is uh, for our next one we won't talk about bike racing in the next one we'll simply talk about nuclear fusion okay something to look forward to for our podcast listeners two ill-informed middle-aged men talk about nuclear fusion sounds great um and and then and then also david can i because it has been i won't lie it's been a little bit hard to get hold of you of late because I think you've had yeah, a, um, yeah. other 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 um, considerations yeah. going on. So, mm-hmm. but if I say out loud to you now with the red button, recording your yeah. words, that we will do a daily podcast at the Giro d'Italia. Does that form some sort of contract with our listeners, and therefore with social you? contract? Yeah, I as long as we can advertise. Well, you hesitated. Our the road book. Yeah, I'll do it if we can actually put advertorials into it for Chapter 3 and you for the roadbook. Totally. As long as our listeners are prepared for daily adverts from us to start yeah, it about yeah. the, the joys of our, our other projects that actually make us money, that I'm all in. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, they, I think yeah. they'll put up with that. I think they'll put up with that yeah. so long as we bring them the, the daily travel news from whichever region of Italy. Completely. I, mean, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. All in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll do our right. first. Nice, yeah. to, sp- nice to speak to you. And who's going to win? Who's going to win Paris Roubaix? Who's going to win Paris Roubaix? Uh, Mathieu van der Poel. Okay. Fair enough. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 